This is the Sports Talk Podcast, Episode 10. I'm your host, Campbell Diamond, and we have another special guest on. She is from Long Island, not on the island or where in the island. If you have to say that to her, she might get a little angry about that, but uh, she's a huge, huge New York Islanders fan. Uh, she has her own YouTube channel a podcast called Kim in the Crease that did reach 1,000 subscribers. So I have to commend her for that, congratulate her for that. Uh, on Twitter, she's known as Isles Girl 3 Super, super great with Islanders content and following up around each league. She's Kimberly Moisa. Kim, thank you for having to be on here. And tell us a little bit about yourself and your fandom about the Islanders. Hey, man, what's up? Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk hockey with you. I'm really excited to do this. But a uh, little bit about me. I'm a third-generation Islanders fan. Uh, my grandparents were season ticket holders since 1973. Kind of just grew up in a whole Islanders family, an Islanders household. It became a really close passion of mine and something that I just love talking about because hockey is not just the love of the sport. It's kind of like my uh, own personal family. It's very good to hear. So... I know I uh, see some of your videos. I've seen some of your videos on YouTube. Great stuff. Uh, I saw a couple favorite teams and least favorite teams. I saw you like two of the teams that I actually love, besides my New Jersey Devils, that is the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins. So I have to chime in a little bit. What uh, makes you love both the Caps and the Bruins? Yeah, you're probably like division rivals. Like, what the heck are you thinking? Um, with the Bruins, it's more of a family kind of thing uh, where my cousins live up in uh, Massachusetts. And I grew up with him, him being a huge Bruins fan. And you know what? So it, it kind of became like a similar love. You know, I had the appreciation for the Bruins because, you know, my, uh, my cousin was such a big fan. So I just became a little bit of a Bruins fan because of that. And also... Um, they got Zdeno Chara from us, and I loved Zdeno Chara. So um, he became a – I loved, you know, watching him on the ice, and he became – you know, he's one of my favorite players in the league. So that's why I just – I have an appreciation for the Bruins. They're obviously not my favorite team, of course, but uh, big appreciation for the Bruins there. Uh, with the Capitals, uh, I rooted for them in the playoffs. I wanted them to win, you know, get that Stanley Cup after, you know, finally defeating the Penguins and all that. I think they had a great story, great momentum. They had Barry Trotz back then, and they also had, you know, Alex Ovechkin, who I feel is a legend that we're watching on the ice right now. And, I, again, it's just an appreciation of their team, appreciation of their effort, and uh, just the just the subtle appreciations. I'm glad we stole Barry Trotz from them, but uh, – <laughs> It was it was fun to watch them watch the cup that year. I'm not gonna lie. That's very good. I mean, like you said, myself with the Bruins. My mother is from West Western Springfield in Massachusetts. She grew up near Springfield, Mass. By the Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame. If anyone doesn't know that, uh, first couple few exits when you enter uh, Massachusetts. Uh, if anyone anyone doesn't know, also my fandom with the Celtics when I was a kid. My second favorite team in hockey is the Bruins, of course, because of my mother, my younger brother. He's a rabid Bruins fan, loves Trara, loves Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, Tuka, Yarsov, Locke, all those guys. And if anyone also should know, uh, baseball-wise, you, you got to come to 
Yankee country to find me because I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm not a Mets fan. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. And I hold that with a great accountability because I do get teased a lot ever since I was a kid. But, I mean, it's all fun and games when uh, you have a good team, solid team. I mean, we're not talking about baseball here. We're talking about some hockey. And let's uh, deep dive in about your Islanders here. And I know we talked during the show that we have with my two good friends on Deeks and Dankles for a college radio station. And we talked about the new Belmont Park and – of course, you talked about the Coliseum. I asked you a deep dive question about how what you see in the Coliseum, how the feeling of it and stuff. You said like it's it's it might be like an old rundown barn, but like you said, it's your barn. It's the heart and soul of Uniondale out in Long Island. Go over that bridge, get on Long Island. On Long Island, yeah. On Long, <laughs> on Long Island, I can't. I can't. I, I mean. I gotta get it. I gotta give it to you, man. I gotta give it to you. I have to say, like, I, I, I try to get it right, but then I still get it wrong. It's like you, you pronounce names in New Jersey. It's like you go to Sea Caucus and people say Sea Caucus. And it's like, no, like, because there's multiple uh, sports offices there. You got NHL Network, MLB Network, and then NBA TV there in Sea Caucus. So, I mean, I mean, pronouncing names is kind of funny, but I want to know how big of a boost it'll be to have this new stadium for the Islanders because, one, the Coliseum, as they call the old barn, it's not going to be used, I guess. And the Barclays Center is literally a basketball scene, which is kind of okay, but it's a basketball arena. and But they use it for hockey, and... and the Jumbotron's not even not even directly above the center ice, which and then you have a whole section blocked off, and it, it, it kind of like rubs me a little bit the wrong way because you look at the Islanders, great, they're a great hockey franchise, and you look at the the teams when you got Bob Nystrom and great like great coach Al Arbor, without a doubt one of the greatest hockey coaches of all time. And you look at this team now, and they they haven't been that way since, like, the glory days, I guess you'd say. But now, like, with all this, like, revamped, I guess, with going back to the old barn last year, beating the Penguins, sweeping them, and you get to play Carolina in that second series, that second Round, I should say. Unfortunately, we all know what happened with that. But what does it mean to like be at that place and like not like want to feel like oh we're gonna have to have a new home, but like let's just make some lasting memories while we have it here. No, yeah, you have to understand that Barclays was our last resort. Um, it wasn't something that we were like oh we want Barclays. It was either Barclays or not be in New York. And so that's the only reason I'm just glad we even had Barclays in the first place because they still have a team and they, they're still here. But um, also another thing you have to understand is, you know, after Bill Torrey, after Al Arbor, we didn't have much help in the uh, uh, structure department. I mean, you, you could just go on with, you know, Mike Milbury, John Spano, uh, freaking uh, Jack Capuano. And then, you know, like it's just like it, all the pieces that were just not 
good just fall again and again and again making the same mistakes again and again i have to make a comment about the the spano era about the uh that the you ever watch that East 60 about that islanders owner when they had the fisherman jerseys yeah the early 2000s uh little uh skeptical but continue but yeah no it was just the same mistakes again and again losing great players that you know like Luongo like Zidane Chara, like Nita Ryder just so many you know so many things that just went wrong <laughs> and it was it's about like time we've you know finally started fixing those mistakes Islanders fans were crying you know for it Charles Wong may he rest in peace but he was an owner who cared and he did try to get us the lighthouse project and just Plain old politics screwed us there. So the fact that we're even getting this arena is like a miracle. And it's really changing the face of the franchise. And it's one of the hardest things was gaining those players who want to come and play here. Gaining, you know, play, you know, top people who want to say, I want to play for this team. Because we had two different arenas or Barclay Center was horrible and things like that. The fact that we can say to these new you know, players coming in or even like in re-signing new contracts, we have a new arena. This is going to happen. It is 100% secured now. And it's, you know, it's having that security behind us. And it's also just great. I think it's the fan base because of how long, for how many years we've just been chirped by other NHL. Oh, you have like three homes. Oh, you, you know, you're, you're a basketball arena. You have a car in the corner of your arena. Like, you know, we've heard it from, you know, tooth to nail. We've just, you know, we're kind of as a fan base, I would say I'm sick of it. So to have stability, to be able to say we have stability and that we're going in a right direction is something that's new and it's exciting. And I, I can't wait to see where it goes. And the new arena, because we've, we've gotten to see a lot of the, um, drawings for it we've gotten to see a lot the uh construction like the aspects that they're looking to put into the arena is that it's going to be very very similar to nassau coliseum where we won those four stanley cups it's going to have that same type of structure and energy and uh the there's a lot of uh great islanders fans who are you know employed to work on this arena who give updates and it's looking gorgeous and they said by the end of this month the roof should be complete that's very good here i've seen pictures and little bits and videos of the new arena i can't wait to take the train up there whenever i can see the devils uh hopefully try to grab two points or one point depends on how good the islanders will be in the few years you get zero. But, <laughs> <laughs> dude, maybe, maybe i'll i'll buy for a point uh if uh Lindy rough uh gets uh, up on something for for that oh, team that's right you have rough i forgot about that <laughs> But uh, let's let's move on here. Uh, I, I want to talk about the playoff schedule. Uh, there's going to be exhibitions next week, but I want to talk about one exhibition that you're probably very interested in, and MSG Network will televise that, I believe. And it's the rivalry, I guess you could say. Yeah. You have the Islanders and the uh, Broadway Blues, Blue Shirts, uh, the uh, team that plays in the Garden and – I, I I just don't know. It's it's isn't me or I've I've said this to many people. I don't have a problem with Islanders fans. I, I love Islanders fans. They're so passionate. I think of the Islanders fans as Mets fans. It's like what the Yankees are. It's like what the Rangers are to the Yankees, kind of. No, it's very yeah. similar. Yeah. Yeah, and I look I look at it and I'm like, don't even count the bu- Buffalo. I guess you could say because I mean. 
if you look at Buffalo, like they can compete. They the years prior they competed with anybody, and I mean that uh, Buffalo doesn't know. have too much beef. <laughs> but I, I I think that if you look at the the common rivalry, it's Rangers Islanders, it's Rangers Devils, it's Rangers Flyers, it's Flyers Devils, and it's like that tri-state area kind of vibe where, look, you go down the parkway in New Jersey, you end up in Philly, and you go play the Flyers. Same with, same with the Rangers, they do it. You, for the Rangers, you take the bridge, you go to Long Island. No sense saying those two words, uh, the other <laughs> words, but uh, either then from Long Island, they would have to go to the Garden and have to play the Rangers. And you get to see a blue and orange, and you get to see a blue and red, and you love to see you love to see Rangers fans at uh like not in a mean way, but you love to see that at Nassau because it adds more of a vibe to the rivalry because it's just so intense because they're just too close to each other, and I love that rivalry so much because it it just brings out the best of anybody, and I just want to get your thoughts on like the whole like epidemic of like the Rangers and the Islanders rivalry as well as probably the Flyers I guess or maybe your thoughts on the Devils rivalry because like I don't think there's a rivalry with the Islanders or the Devils. There's it's not. Just, there's actually a camaraderie. Yeah I, I could say that because we both do not like the Rangers. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's just the the fact that you know you know, you know you have the Rangers here they're original six team you know they're the ones you know who got you know they like pop the collar, like we're original six, eh, we were all city, da da da, you know. And then the Islanders come in the nineteen seven, you know, nineteen seventy two, and it's like, um, <laughs> we're the New York team, uh, get out. And we're like, <laughs> we're here to play. So you know, it's it's really fun, and I really do enjoy Islanders Rangers games. Even Matt Barzell in his like rookie season commented about how he really has fun during those games and like hearing the fan chants and things like that. Um, I think it's a lot of fun as long as it doesn't get, you know, too out of hand. I've seen Ranger Islanders games where, you know, it gets out of hand. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I say, I say it like this. It's just that I, I appreciate, you know, the the fun, the rivalry it brings. And just, like, it, it creates a really intense atmosphere, you know, that you don't get at games much. And it makes games that much more enjoyable. And, you know, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And that's the fun of the sport. I just don't appreciate when it – and it doesn't matter like any team, but uh, where you go, you're wearing like Islander stuff to a Ranger game and the Islanders aren't playing or you're wearing Ranger stuff to an, it happens more often with Islanders games because our tickets are just that much, so much more cheap than Rangers tickets. But you'll see like Ranger fans coming to like an Islander Red Wings game and going, let's go Red Wings. Like, I'm like, dude, n- n- just no. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm going to ask you two more questions about, like, the whole Islanders stuff, then we'll get to the playoff stuff. So I'm going to ask you, were you at the game where – I don't want to call him Captain Canada because he doesn't deserve that nickname because you know who Captain Canada is. But were, you, were you at that game? Yeah. Please give a brief description, just brief, on – how loud that place was. Um. Just brief. Because <laughs> I remember watching the TV screen listening to Brendan Burke on MSG and looking at myself. 
They're doing this to him. They're saying this to him. Why am I not at this game? This game is literally sold out. People are standing on balconies and stuff, and they're screaming on the top of their lungs from the first whistle to the last horn of the game. So just give me like a brief thing of what happened from possibly warm-ups too because they were giving it to him during warm-ups. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what, during warm-ups, I was on our side. I didn't really hear anything on that side because I, I was focused on my team. I was there for the Islanders, baby. That, that is 100% why I was there. And we had, you know, have some fun poking at John Tavares, you know. I, the number one thing I thought that night was win. Just freaking win. And that's, that's how you win the war. You shut them up by getting, grabbing that win. And you know what, I was like, let's go. Let's do this. You know, I'd heard, you know, chirps on either side. And I was like, let's, you know, let's shut them up and just win. And I knew they were going to boo John Tavares when he came on the ice at first. I did not know they would do it for the whole entire game. Like, Islanders fans, you don't understand our passion. You don't understand our passion until you're sitting your butt in those seats and you hear us loud and proud. The chance, oh, my God, the the chance, the energy in that building was like we had won the Stanley Cup. It was like – it was just insanity, the amount, like, of – just energy and passion. It was as loud as a playoff game in there. It sounded like, you know, I saw even comments on YouTube saying it sounded like a soccer arena, things like that. And it's just the chance. I, I, there, when we started chanting, who's your daddy? I was, I was crying in my seat. Like tears were rolling down my face of just pure laughter. Like it was just a fun, incredible moment because the Islanders showed up to play. And that's the most important part is that, you know, the New York Islanders showed up to play six unanswered goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs, just absolutely destroying their defense. I mean, Brock Nelson gets a goal with all five of their players in front of the net, like just absolute, just, you know, destroyed them on the ice and grab six, one win. I mean, I couldn't have asked for more and the fans just made it all that better. And it was one of the best games of my entire life. Yeah. I mean, you look at players like, Matt Barzell, Anthony Boulevier, my guy, the Ranger killer, J.G. Pajot, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And you look at those core guys, and they're going to be scary in this playoff for the Islanders. And I want to bring another question to this. I need to talk about what is with Islanders fans and not liking the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this goes back to early 2000s. And you can rewatch that whole 15-minute or 20-minute extravaganza. Of <laughs> 2011. 200-plus penalty minutes, five, six, seven fights, possible probably 10 injections. Maximum six or six players on each bench, and uh, just see if Islanders fans just berating Brad Johnson as uh, yeah the some someone fight. had to go after him. So, yeah, the infamous fight of 2011 between the Islanders and Penguins. That is definitely a fun one to rewatch. Um, I got to remember I was like 10, 11 when this happened, Uh, but I do remember it was because in a previous Islanders Penguins game, what I remember is that there was a really dirty hit against Mm -hmm. an Islanders player. I wish I had a better memory on it. I'm Mm going to probably brush up after this about it, but there was a really, really dirty hit that apparently like wasn't called and it really rubbed the fan base the wrong way. And so it really started a spark between Islanders and, uh, 
Penguins fans that season. So when that game came around, we were, you know, out for blood. We were out for payback. And, it, you know, it was, it was heated either way, and it started getting really physical to the point where there was, like, a fight every two minutes. The, I mean, the Islanders were just, you know, crushing the Penguins at that point, and it was just like, screw it, all-out brawl, you know. It, it was just something where it was just like, it was old-school hockey, and everyone was eating it up. Everyone loved it. I remember as a little kid watching that game on television and just loving every second of it, you know. As a 10, 11-year-old, I didn't know why it was happening, but I loved it. But uh, I just remember that game just, you know, I still look back on it, like on the anniversary and date and stuff like that. Because if you want to watch hockey fights in pure, just like old school hockey, to that, just look up on YouTube, 2011 Islanders Penguins, and it's the first thing that pops up, and it's so much fun. And, uh, I just looked up uh, Max McTowell was hit on um, Blake Como that gave him a concussion was the That's reason why that happened. Was. And yeah. I remember that that during those brawls, that made me a Josh Bailey fan. And yeah, Josh he, Bailey got he, Trevor Gillies he, was uh, the man. He threw it. Oh, man. Him, him, with the, him, oh. him standing in front of the door looking at, like, berating the guarded is, was kind of like, eh, but like, Gary did get hurt on that play when he delivered that hit, and then of course he got jumped, and of course huge ball broke out, and yeah, and so I mean, but so, it was just yeah. it was just pure fun. <laughs> so let's uh, move on to uh, some Stanley Cup playoff stuff. Uh, you get you your predictions in here with some stuff. So I have it up here. So the top four seeds in the Western Conference, of course, the defending champion. St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, the team that uh, that you have had not want to see win the Stanley Cup because of, of a kind of a fluke of season that you want to talk about, but you've talked about previously the Vegas Golden Knights. And surprisingly, uh, rounding the, these four teams are the Dallas Stars mm-hmm. in, that divi- in that central division, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, and then for the qualifying round, we'll go off with the seeds here. The number five seed, the Edmonton Oilers, who do have home ice advantage. And uh, we've talked about this on a show that I am currently co-hosting called Decent Dangles on 90.3 WMSC for my school. And also, they will face the Chicago Blackhawks, who get the 12th seed and... That I think that'll be a fun matchup. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that five and twelve thing? Because if you look at the Oilers and look at the Blackhawks, it's kind of like a little dead square even. But you got two MVP candidates on the same line, two guys that buy for almost a hundred points. I made this crazy prediction, and I was sick with my Hart Trophy winner because he's going to be the Hart Trophy winner. It's a young dry subtle. And I will say that when unwittingly, if any majors want to swipe up in the comments to say Breadman or uh, Zibanejad, go ahead. I I recommend you swiping up on my comments and telling me that those two major players did, did great. And, of course, they did great this past year. But I got those two guys on the same line, on the power play, try some, they, they're scary. And then you look at the – Chicago Blackhawks and the Blackhawks, of course, the, the age is wondering of 
Patrick Kane, and of course, everyone calls him Captain Canada because whatever, Giant Kane, he's clutch and stuff. Who do you see in this best of five come out with this like victory? Because I'm very certain, and I believe I did pick Edmonton a couple months back. So uh, give me your thoughts on this matchup and who you see moving on. Oh, it's definitely Edmonton. Absolutely Edmonton. Um, I really see Edmonton going, you know, past, you know, I, you know what you're talking about. And, you know, Connor McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think, you know, those three are just so dominant. And I feel like they were really picking up uh, the season. Uh, but you have to look at the, also the other side with the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, Corey Crawford's out. They don't have Corey Crawford for these uh, for the uh, preliminary rounds of the playoffs, I think, in general, uh, due to injury. And right now when they need Robin Leonard, <laughs> they don't have Robin Leonard anymore. <laughs> but I'm not saying, you know, Malcolm Subban's horrible. You know, I think he's a good goaltender, but he's not up to the aptitude I feel like Leonard is. He doesn't have that, you know, that same just like, you know, stride Leonard does in, the, in net and I save percentage. But, yeah, no, that's going to be a huge um, – loss for them is not having Corey Crawford in net and they don't uh they they do have the I don't think I don't think he's back yet I, I, I have to look at their injuries I don't know if he's still hurt but I think that's that's what's going to kill him is that goaltending and that defensive prospect of it I think they have it on the forwards you know Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane but other than that I feel like systematically the team doesn't have defense or st- solid goaltending and that's what's going to kill them especially when you have co- people like Connor McDavid coming at you yeah, I mean, also uh, Dominic Kubalik, who was uh, the finalist for the Calder Trophy, and he you know, alongside, I mean, fellow rookie with the third overall pick, uh, scary number seventy-seven Kirby Doc, uh, great name, great player, of course. Yeah. Where's my number when I play hockey? But uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm a big Kirby Doc guy. Uh, I love how he plays on the ice. He's very skillful, and you know what? It'll take. The, I think the Blackhawks are such in the rebuilding mode because they've already won their cups and these guys are getting old and you see now I think you built more towards more in the future and of course look you look at Edmonton it's just McDavid I mean you look at McDavid who's going to stop the guy I mean the only reason you're going to stop the guy is if you're going to have to make a love save or a desperation save unless you give up a rebound then oh Leon Dreisaitl yeah. All alone in the spot, and then it's just crazy. So let's move on from that. The next matchup we have the six seeded Nashville Predators against the 11 seeded, surprisingly, the Arizona Coyotes. And I made a prediction a couple of years ago that I thought the Arizona Coyotes were going to make the playoffs a few years ago, and they didn't. But they were ready. They were probably five, six, seven points shy. But if you look at this now, uh, the whole situation dealing with uh, the combine issues or what that whole shenanigans is about, but I'm not really too bright on the Coyotes yet. I think I give them a few years. I'm a big Clayton Keller guy. You got Phil's a thrill with them. You got the guy that you traded from the New Jersey Devils, the former Hart Trophy winner. Taylor Hall, uh, I I give him a couple like a couple few more jabs at it, but I I do see the Predators moving on. And what do you think about this matchup? Because I think it, it clearly favors Nashville. 
Yeah, I, was, I, I put Nashville down for this one. Um, I think it would be a cool upset to see Arizona, though, come on top, you know, and get to the first round. Uh, but honestly, I think it's this is going to be Nashville's. Uh, this is going to be Nashville's round straight up. Okay. So then we have the seventh-seeded Vancouver Canucks and the tenth-seeded Minnesota Wild, and this is an interesting, interesting matchup. Because these two haven't faced each other in a while. But does everyone remember, I believe, when Andrew Ferentz did play for the Minnesota Wild back in the day, he got the Minnesota Wild during the first couple of years, made some big playoff upsets, and then ultimately stumbled down a bit. But I look at the Vancouver Canucks, and you see Brock Besser, you see Quinn Hughes, who's called a trophy can uh Jacob Markstrom goal great story for him, but uh, I just don't know. I'm not really too fond of the uh, Minnesota Wild. I do see the Canucks getting there in the sweep, or at least give the Wild a game. I guess you could say, but I I feel as Vancouver has the edge on this series. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> we're, we're picking the same picks because I, I picked Vancouver. Definitely. Uh, I just don't feel the Wild um, are that strong of a team. Uh, to be honest, I don't know much about uh, Central Division. I have to really brush up on my uh, Western half, you know, teams. But, uh, yeah, no, I just know of watching them play against the Islanders and stuff like that. The Canucks are definitely more forced to be reckoned with. Uh, they definitely have, I feel like, more talent on their team than the Minnesota Wild do. Uh, so I'm going all Vancouver here. That's good. Then we'll move on to the final qualifying matchup. This is going to be a fun five games or whatever how the series ends. It has the Winnipeg Jets with the ninth seed against the eighth seed Calgary Flames. The Calgary Flames are hot, hot, hot. They're on fire. They are one of the most surprising teams in the league. And as much as I'm a good fan of Patrick Line and his crew with Winnipeg, huge Connor Hollibuck fan and stuff, Mark Shifley, I wish this was in Winnipeg just to see whiteout cutouts in MPS Place, Bell MPS Place, just chanting True North during the Canadian National Anthem. But I just, I got to give them to the, I got to give it to the folks in Alberta because these guys are going to be something. Martin Udana, Matthew Kachuk, anyone can say whatever. The kid, the kid's a grinder. He's a great decent player. He, he gets underneath your skin, but when he makes the plays, he makes those plays. And Monahan, of course, Johnny Hockey, Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau, Jersey Boy, of course, by way of Boston College. And I just see the Flames either sweeping or – and then in five, I, I just like, I don't see the Jets moving on this year. Wow. I actually have opposite of you. I have the Jets winning this series. Uh, I, it's, uh, I get what you're saying. I mean, Johnny Goudreau, just, but like the players we're listening before, like Shifley and everything like that. Like, I just feel like ta- more ta- like, uh, in the talented sense, they're going to come up top. Calgary is going to be missing, uh, Hamannick on the back on the back end there as he's a very solid defenseman. I understand, you know, why he dropped, but it's definitely going to be a great loss to their defensive depth. Uh, but out of the two teams, I definitely 
I picked the I picked the Jets to win this one. I think they I think they got more uh, in their pocket. Plus, you got to remember they were on fire. They were on motivation. You got to remember we've had months break at this point. It's anyone's game. You know, uh, going into the playoffs, there's no momentum. There's nothing uh, from the past that's gonna come through now. So if you were on momentum, it, the break kind of sucks because it kind of cut that off for you. While teams like I know the Islanders who were not doing so hot. The break was actually a this actually a huge benefit for us to regroup, get our teams together, and especially with injured players, come together and rally towards the, these playoffs. So, as you know, we have to remember that, that momentum is not going to be a factor here. And due to that, I got to pick the Jets. Yeah, very good. So we'll move on to the Eastern Conference now. So I'll go with one through four. We have the. Eastern Conference champion, reigning Eastern Conference champion, Boston Bruins, a team that I desirably have to love because, of course, my Boston Boston faith, I guess you could say, of me loving Boston sports, except for the New England Patriots because I am a Giants fan. 18-1, everybody. So, uh, Tom Brady's not in New England anymore, so I can't, like, chime in on that. But then we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who... I love the Lightning. They're a great, great team, regular season team. They gave me headaches in the playoffs. I like playoffs. how you added regular season. <laughs> they gave me headaches in the playoffs. And, and I hate for that because John Cooper is such a good coach and they have a great team. They do have a great team. And I, I just don't know where this this top four seed stuff is, wherever that, that'll end up. But I'm very excited to see where that goes. Then you got the Washington Capitals, Red Bride, the greatest Russian scorer of all time, the greatest European scorer of all time, and probably the best player in the league. Anyone who can argue me about McDavid and or Crosby, please swipe up. I will give you without doubt the finest, fairest, and balanced argument on why Alexander Ovechkin has been playing out of his mind the past two to three years at his age. He reached 700 goals, one of only seven players to reach it. So, I mean... That's, that's that. And then you have the, surprisingly, I would say, Philadelphia Flyers. And not too many people had high ups on the Flyers this year. But you bring in the boy that has a great sense of urgency between the pipes from Canada. Carter Hart, a guy that is, should have been a Calder Trophy candidate. And you got Elaine McNoll in that situation over in. Philadelphia, I mean, you look at them, Connect Me, Giroux, Vorchek. Oh, it's just, they're, they they're play hard-nosed hockey. So then now we'll go on to the qualifying round teams. We have the fifth-seeded Pittsburgh Penguins and the 12th-seeded the Club de Hockey and the Montreal Canadiens at the 12th seed. And I did pick the Penguins because yeah, if it's the last, if it's the last run, Boy, do I want to see Gino shine. Do I want to see Crosby in the in Gretzky's World House just make a place? Do I want to see Chris Tank being that great defenseman he is? I want to see Matt Murray rise to the occasion. Uh, I, uh, I mean, this, this team is just, without a doubt, collectively good because they're out for veterans for after getting swept by your Islanders last year. And, I mean, you look at it now and – Oh my God! I'm drawing a blank on the head coach right now. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank right now. 
make something. I'm like losing it. So, but I, where you where you see uh, this uh, series going, favor? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's Mike Sullivan, by the way. Mike Sullivan, yeah, it's Mike Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, no, it. I have it in Penguins' favor, obviously. I mean, uh, the Islanders definitely know how to, you know, you know, chip out the Penguins. I, I, you know, I would say we're their like new um, hated playoff team, <laughs> but um, uh, they're still a strong team nonetheless. They were able to keep together with all their injuries this past season, get, able to keep together and be a fifth seeded team which I think is extraordinary. I think they're a very, very talented team. And then when you're going against a 12 seed, like Mo- Montreal Canadiens, who are just – they're not up to aptitude. They're I, I, they're just not – I feel like they're two teams not in the same league. And I, I'm sorry, Montreal Canadian fans. You guys need a rebuild. You guys need to, you know, fix this team up. But it's definitely going to be Penguins in the series, no doubt, in my mind. So I'll move on to the next matchup. It's the six-seeded Carolina Hurricanes – against the 11th seeded New York Rangers. And I'm going to say this because every Carolina Hurricane fan was definitely afraid to admit it because Martin Nook vote, voted no for this because they knew who they were going to face in the playoffs. And they're 0-4, I believe, against them. And I got to see them play against the Rangers the day, night before Thanksgiving. And... Boy, I'm do. Am I picking the Rangers because the Carolina Hurricanes are deathly afraid of playing the Rangers? So I got the Rangers beating them in five games against Carolina Hurricanes. So I know you're an Islanders fan, so you might disagree with me on this because of your loyalty to the blue and orange. So no, uh, no, this is a toss up for me. Absolutely, you know what. Uh, both these teams are going to come out with fire, and I feel like this is definitely going to go all the way series. I don't think it's going to be an easy series for either one of them. You know what? And especially for the Carolina Hurricanes, playing someone like the Rangers, who have just been a crutch in their side. I was actually today watching the old weird NHLs, like going from one and just going through them. And their domination of the Carolina Hurricanes in like 2018, uh, 2019 season, just like, I don't know. They just got those lucky tap-ins and things like that. They just have that like little edge on Carolina. So I really think they're going to be a thorn in their side. Um, it's going to be a very tough matchup, but uh, I actually Rangers winning this one. That's good. I mean, you got the Rangers, of course. I said, I'll try to be iron. You get the advantage at yeah. Adam Fox. Uh, you got to remember, though, they don't have that momentum anymore either. They have uh, – Carolina has very good um, – players like Justin Williams who just pops out in the playoffs like hello you know uh, uh it's gonna be a toss-up I it really could go either way for me it's just who wants it more mm-hmm. I mean you guys got they got uh New Rider they got Sebastian Ajo uh, uh so, oh my god RJ Fesnikoff uh I almost I almost ruined that but uh I'll get a nice lacrosse goal you know yeah of course <laughs> pull off the Michigan if you need to but there we uh, go. <laughs> so I mean, the Rangers. I mean, you got they got three goalie situation. They their assistant coach is now the head coach of New Jersey Devils. So we know how they're going to do offensively. No, I'm sorry, defensively wise because Lindy Ruff did coach a defense for the Rangers, who's an offensive minded coach. And I went on a rant about this yesterday. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to look at that. Uh, Next week, I guess you can hear about my rant about the uh, the whole like 
situation about Lindy Ruff, both positively and upbringingly, because I think it's positive for the Devils that they got they got a coach, and not many people disagree with it, and I understand that because they want somebody like Galan or Half Life, a guy who wins. But if you look at Lindy Ruff, the guy can succeed. He's what seventh all time, sixth all time in winning, and in the league, he's probably yes, he's the third coach, but the guy knows how to succeed with teams. So I'll I'll move that on a little bit side in the future times. But let's get on the next matchup that is the seventh seeded New York Islanders and the rematch of I believe. If I get this wrong, please. God forgive me. Oh. Two, 2016. 16, yes. Quarterfinals rematch that ended in seven games. Tie goal. Six. 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 Oh, man. It's, it's uh, okay, man. It's okay, it, man. It, it's the bodies because I still remember thinking, who scored the tying goal? And I know who scored the winning goal. John Tavares. Yes. And then people ask that trivia question. It's like, oh, who scored the tying goal? It's like, John Tavares. Who scored the winning goal? John Tavares. John Tavares. Like, oh, we scored. That's what? like the only oh, yeah. offense we <laughs> had. You see him whip that puck around Robbie Lou's pad. You hear that loud noise, and then you hear it wrap around. You hear I still love watching it. I still love watching it. People it's, are like, oh, it's John Tavares. It's so I don't care. I still love it. It was the first time in 23 years we got to the second round. Of course, I'm going to still enjoy it. It's like it's like me looking at Zach Parise when he left for his hometown in Minnesota. Like, I hated it, but you know what? The guy just got past a thousand games. And look, the guy who's our captain, it's like it's like, it's like a John Tavares kind of. Like, the guy left for his hometown. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. It kind of rubbed Dallas fans a little bit the wrong way. I'm not sure how – well, I guess how sure how badly it was it for the Islanders fans. But since you had to see them in the regular season, you didn't have to see the Devils play the Wilds only for a couple of years. And so, but where can you see this game going, this series going? Because I'm not too fond of Florida. Even with Joe Quenvo, who is a great coach. He's the winningest coach, I believe, right now. Well, except because – Sky Bowman is the winningest coach of all yeah. time, but winning is right now. But I just totally see the Islanders, without a doubt, dominating the series. Okay, I wouldn't say dominating. Hell no. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be one of those like Carolina Rangers series, in my opinion, where it's going to be very, very close. We have a good record against them, three nothing against Florida within playoff series, uh, but. It's going to come down to coach against coach and goaltender versus goaltender. I mean, Bobrovsky and Ned, it's, you know, he's a legend. If he, you know, it's going to be about if he shows up, how Quinville plays the, you know, the, this new team. Uh, it's going to be how, you know, Florida shows up. It's going to be, you know, it's a different situation reversing than we did in 2016. And you know what? We're also a different team. We just picked up John Gabriel Pajot, who's known to be a playoff player. If Everly rises to the occasion like he did versus the Pittsburgh Penguins last year, definitely going to be a help in our side because we need the offensive help. If him and Pajot can become the playoff players they can be, I feel like we can definitely have an edge in this series uh we have that defensive structure back because you know we have Pelic back we have Boychuk back who are two 
top defensemen on our team and that really create a structure. So they're going to be very helpful and vital to keeping our strong defensive structure. And I really do trust Grice and Varley in net. I feel like they're going to be definitely strong. And then you have Barry Trotz. Who knows what the hell he's doing? He won a cup with the goddamn, you know, you know, Washington Capitals. So you know what? I have a lot of faith in my team. Do I have that much faith? No, I'm still an Islanders fan. But <laughs> I'm going to call Islanders in five. <laughs> so, I mean, if you look at the Islanders now, like, they're more of a, like, pushed up the ranks. I mean, they're not really, like, you look at a breakout team kind of thing. They like, dump the puck. They find the dirty areas. And then you said Giant Bochuk. Of course, when Giant Bochuk played for the Boston Bruins back in the day, he had the second hardest slap shot next to former Islander Zidane Ochara the long-time captain of the Boston Bruins. I wish we could see Pulak's slap shot because his is just as fast, man. <laughs> uh, so now we'll move on to the final uh, matchup here. We have the eighth-seeded Toronto Maple Leafs and the ninth-seeded Columbus Blue Jackets. And what can go wrong must go yeah. wrong with <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs because I know that Either Jonas Corposalo or Elvis Merzlinkins will lead the Columbus Blue Jackets to victory because, again, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we know how Toronto does in the first round. We've seen a couple few times. Well, it's technically going. not the first round, and no. they're not versing Boston. So let's see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you could say that, but it's kind of, well, I mean, we never know if the if the – Maple Leafs do beat the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Bruins do get the four seed in that. You might see another Bruins Maple Leafs matchup. And if we I, see Bruins Bruins and Maple Leafs again, I'm gonna cry laughing. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's a toss up series again to me. This is a definite toss toss up series again because it's will the Toronto Maple Leafs show up? Which I think they will. I mean, their offensive talent is none, you know, bar none. But Columbus has this thing where they can come out of nowhere and be like, surprise, and, you know, they did it against the Lightning. I think they have a good habit of other teams underestimating them and them taking advantage of that. So it's really going to – this is a series where it was hard to choose a winner. Um, I kind of said Columbus. Sometimes I've said Columbus. Sometimes I've gone back to Maple Leafs. Uh, it's going to be, like, again, like, where I really – it's hard to choose one because I, I feel like it could just flip either way. It's going to be a coin toss in the end. And, you know, I'm going to go to Toronto today. I mean, I look at Columbus, and I think Torch puts the fear in God in the Blue Jackets because he's just so demanding, demanding, demanding. Get up the ice. Get up the ice. Check when needed to. Get loose pucks. Get rebounds. Get go for dirty, dirty areas in the game. And I would love to see the Blue Jackets move on. I think in four games, I guess four or five games. So I think it will be a fun series. And you look at those again, the those teams that you have kind of buys that you say, and then will compete against each other. But uh. You look at the Bruins, you look at the Lightning, look at the Caps, and look at the Flyers. I mean, there's nothing really you could say about it, but uh, it's just like amazing. Then you look at the Western Conference, you've got the Blues, Fending Champs, the Avs, what they're doing. 
the Golden Knights, uh, how their publicity run, I guess you could say, because we know you're not the biggest Golden Knights fan. Listen, here. it's just like the first year. The first year, <laughs> well, I just feel like they had to pay their dues. I feel like they have. If they won now, I'd be happy for them. Hmm. And then you have the- since they have a guy named uh, Robin Leonard. <laughs> great, great pillows. Uh, his new design there. Uh, if anyone has not seen that on NHL.com or on the Twitter, he's got knights on his pads. So oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And then surprisingly, I guess you could say again, the Dallas Stars uh, with that whole scenario on how, how they're doing with Jamie Benn, Corey Perry, Tyler Sagan, and stuff. So I'm, it'll be good for those four teams to get out to, to get playoff positioning. So, and... Uh, I mean, if you look at that, uh, and I'm just very excited to see where these teams will go in the future. So I will think of a couple other things to say, and I have your thoughts on this, because you look at the Islanders and you see how they are from draft-wise, see how their the system's been, and you see how like other teams are like the Bruins, the Caps, the Rangers, the Flyers. Now, I guess you could say the Lightning. Could you see like more building systems? I guess you could say, whereas they're going to be good both offensively and defensively and goaltending wise in the future when they click it. I guess you could say. So you're looking at like teams that are, like rebuilding in a sense? Well, like like teams that have like that factor whereas like they're good both sides, I guess you could say like they're fundamentally like crafting in the game. Like if you look at like what Steve Eisman did with the Lightning before he left for Detroit, you got you got like Mikhail Sergachev, seen the Sam Coast, um Nikita Kucherov, those guys, you, you got trades from, you took Ranger players and you put them on the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and they woke up, I guess you could say, McDonough yeah. uh, and stuff. I mean, then for Caps-wise, uh, I mean, replacing t- Terry, Barry Trotz, I'm sorry, I'm like losing yeah, my Yeah, it's putting a coach in a situation where it, they help people flourish. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's mm-hmm. going to be having a team where he's in a situation where he – feels comfortable and it the team allows him to reach his full potential and it's really coaches are just a huge aspect of that I mean it goes back to like when we had Jack Capuano and we had Michael Grabner on this team and really he was a great forward and we all could see that but Jack Capuano just wasn't the right coach for him you he goes to the Rangers and he he flourished under you know John Tortorella and things like that he knew how to use Grabner as a forward you know even and Barry Trotz. If you look at old Pelic before Barry Trotz, he was like god awful. I wanted him off the team. Like, and then when Barry Trotz came in, he became like a top defender on the team. He became an NHLer. The potential that you know we saw in him finally, you know, being released, things like that. Even ex Ranger players, which is a big um, part of why Lindy Ruff wasn't as loved, is because he couldn't really bring out those defensive prospects to their full potential. Uh, even someone like is like Neil Pionk, who on the Rangers was god awful, and then he goes to he goes up north, 
uh, to the Winnipeg Jets, and he has a much better season, things like that. Um, it's just about who, like, do you have a coach that can bring out the potential within your players? Uh, and that's why, you know, a coach just means so much, why the Islanders were dying for one for years. It's just having that right coach and that right, I don't know, just that right tandem to create the most out of your players. Yeah. That's, I think I told you that because you need a coach that, one, that wants to have a winning system down, and two, that will get players like old veterans or young core players in that mix to find a good system to win. And I think we have that with the Islanders, we have that with the Caps, you have that with the Lightning, you have that with the Bruins, you're going to have that with the Rangers, of course, in the future, of course, with the Flyers. Hopefully, for my Devils, I guess you could say. They find it the right way with Lindy Ruff in the future. But we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, Kim, I thank you again for coming on. Uh, thank you so much, brother. Any uh, last words that you want to say before I uh, end it off here? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, let's go Islanders. If you're needing more Islanders info or you're a New York Islanders fan, you want some you know, updates and stuff, I'm your girl. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube under IslesGirl3. Uh, love talking Islanders, but I also love talking around the league. Come uh, to the podcast Sundays at 10 p.m., Kim and the Crease podcast. I'd love to have you guys on. It's live on YouTube, so come and uh, jump in. Very good, very good. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever it may be. Uh, it is currently nine right now. I would normally say uh, go out and do something because it, it's usually a bright day out, but I see the moon now. Uh in where I currently am residing in. And thank you again, Kim. This is Sports Talk Podcast. I'm Rose Kimmel. Make sure you follow Kim with her YouTube channel, Kim the Crease. Again, her information is there. Again, 1K subscribers. That is huge. That is not even close to where I'm at, but I'm still trying to work. So uh, <laughs> pray for me that uh, I get uh, myself somewhere in the future. So, uh, that was Kim Burley Moisa. That was episode 10 of the Sports Talk Podcast. Again, this is Campbell Diamond. Good night. Remember, sports is the beacon of light, beacon of hope. Next week, we got some baseball. We got some hockey. Soccer's back. Football will be back in a couple of months, hopefully. Basketball will be back. A lot more stuff in the future. Thank you again. Good night.